Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. For some reason, Kyle and I are there as well. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who somehow missed an online tailgate. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, it's uh, I never miss an in-person tailgate. I'll say that. Uh, maybe in the, the social distancing, I uh, I have been actively trying to not be a, a complete uh, booze hound. And the word tailgate, maybe I assumed I had to drink for multiple hours to enjoy it all. Who knows? Um, but no, I saw very little. I saw Herb Hand's amazing pants. Uh, that was about uh, uh, about it. I saw some people talking about it online, though. Hopefully everyone felt part of the community. I, I'm sure they did. I hope they did. Yeah, I, I my three-year-old was on one on Friday, and so anytime that something was like, oh, this is an interesting thing, he would, like, scream or throw something because three-year-olds are actual terrorists. I love my son. Love my son to death. <laughs> He's a terrorist, uh, so had to get that under control. Uh, but yeah, no, I, w- I was able to catch back up on some of it again. Like Herb Hand's cooking is so much fun to watch because the guy, yeah. like he gets food. Now he has weird takes about what wings should be dipped in. Hashtag Team Ranch. But you're a ranch guy. I'm a ranch guy, Kyle. Ooh, Herb is correct in in being Team Blue Cheese. Oh. Um, obviously, that's. Uh, Herb, like myself, you know, he's got the Penn State connection. Uh, I'm, you know, Penn State grew up, Penn State family. Uh, my dad, I think I've told the story on the podcast, was recruited by Papa Joe, and we won't talk about the other defensive coordinator to play football up there. You know, not far from Buffalo, New York, the the original place of wings. It's hot wings, you know, in a spicy butter and uh, vinegary spicy sauce, and you, you temper it with the blue cheese. That's just, that's how... The good Lord invented it. I, so as someone who is making his own buffalo sauce, I understand the love for the vinegar, buttery, peppery sauce. I get it. Um, blue cheese tastes like feet to me, and I'm just not going <laughs> to pair beautiful, wonderful gift of the Lord buffalo wings with foot dressing. That's just where I'm at in my life. Uh, that's just not... Wait. 
not where I'm at. You and I uh, will we'll sit two, or stand on the op- opposite side of this divide, Joe. Two decades of friendship torn apart over <laughs> dipping sauces, Kyle. Uh, this, so we've got a lot for you tonight, Big. Uh, hang on, hang on. No, 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 Joe. You're not getting off that easy. Guys, we need you to weigh in replies on this. This is Texas. now the theme of this podcast. We need your hottest takes. Like, if you are give, if you have anything else besides the, the two mains, um, I think Pluckers offers you just pretty much, you know, ranch or blue cheese but if you go something else let us know that too but please we may put a poll out there respond to it or hit us with the replies of texas uh at least and let us know are you team blue cheese or are you team ranch i'm excited to see these results kyle i <laughs> i don't know if anything uh anything more important has ever happened on this podcast than, than the results of this <laughs> uh this poll so we've got uh we've got a big recruiting week so uh mike roach our friend from 247 sports will be on in just a moment he's got a lot of good updates about the ins and outs of the last few commitments from texas and the last few that didn't go texas's way well down the 40 a lot of um a lot of news weirdly busy news week I guess maybe the state of Texas is opening up, and so news is starting to trickle out, and we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So we really want to have any excuse to bring this man on, but it has been a big week in recruiting, so we thought we'd reach out to our friend uh, Mike Roach of 247sports.com. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out. I know the state of Texas is trying to open, but I think most of us are still staying home, so you probably got a little time on your hands. I snuck out last week on Friday when the state opened and I went and stood in the corner of a field and watched a training session. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got problems guys. Like I, <laughs> I drove an hour from my house to a field in, in, in the hood in Pleasant Grove in, in Dallas and uh, stood in a corner, took pictures and uh, talked to kids from six feet away. And uh, it's the, it's the best I've felt in a month. Just, just that, that little that little hit to get the buzz, buzz going, going, right? It's it's, it's crudent season, baby. <laughs> oh, it's always crudent season. It is not stopped. You know what's funny was last time we talked, um, it was right at the beginning of quarantine. I had not yet seen Tiger King. I have now, so I'm prepared to <laughs> discuss that if you guys want. Um, and like we didn't know what was going to happen, and since that time, like, like recruiting has not taken a day off. I've been probably busier. <laughs> It, during this time than I've ever been. I've done more work. I, I'll tell you that. I've done more stories. It, last month, I did 87 stories for 24-7. So wow. um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of work. Well, you've seen Tiger King. I've seen Love is Blind. So we met in the middle there. Um, <laughs> just the the trashiest TV at all possible. Uh, Hell but yeah. you know what? Gerald, you need to save some content, though, so that people don't get what they're looking for while they're actually here and, and don't stay till the end of this interview. We can't wait to get a bidet update. But let's save that <laughs> for the very end. The important the important stuff. Uh, and And... Let's jump into the meat. What do you think? Let's do it. So uh, the day we're recording Monday, LSU came into the Lone Star State once again and stole a key Texas target. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer uh, decides that he's going to take it back to where it all started to LSU. That's the third one of Texas's key targets in the last, what, probably two weeks that have made the decision to go into LSU. Uh, JoJo Early, Landon Jackson, and now uh, Nussmeyer. Um 
man, what's like, how is LSU coming in and poaching these guys, especially a guy like early who I don't think made it to LSU's campus. There haven't been any official visits yet. Like what's, what's going on? Yeah. First of all, I want to start with Nussmeyer. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to call that like a steal as much as the other two are like LSU offered Garrett Nussmeyer first. They were his very first offer. They have long been the leader for Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, Texas thought they might have a shot to get into it, but they knew there was a lot of work to be done. And I think this is about where everybody expected Nuss to end up, you know, especially considering his dad, Doug Nussmeyer worked for the Cowboys, worked under Scott Linehan, who yeah. is now, now at LSU. So um, I, I think everything just kind of lined up there and that, that was expected. The other two, for sure, I think, you know, Texas certainly looked at them. And, and you know, the, the easiest answer to the question is it's really good to be the national champions. It's really good to have, like, 14 kids drafted, um, you know, in, in that instance. Like, they literally put the draft on, saw everybody on their team get drafted, and then yeah. reached out to Landon Jackson and were like, hey, did you see that? Did you watch any TV over the weekend? Find anything interesting? Um, and, and kind of pushed <laughs> at that point. And so, uh, you know, when you're the national champions and you're, and you're putting players in the NFL at that rate, it's a very easy sales pitch. The one that was very surprising was JoJo Earl. And, and it is because, you know, he hasn't visited uh, LSU. And actually – you know, I think I, I saw him right before the shutdown. Like I went to Alito, I think the week before and talked to him. And um, he mentioned at the time LSU was completely out of it. He wasn't talking to them, wasn't considering them. It was Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, and Georgia. And uh, those are the four. And, and the night that, that we kind of started to figure out everything was coming together, I was just, I was frankly astonished when I figured out it was going to be LSU. Um, and so all I can say is it's really good to be the king, you know? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know if Bagmen get uh, NFL draft signing bonuses or what, but I, I'm kidding. Obviously, we know that doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, the, it, it is LSU had the showing that you didn't expect, right, coming into last year. You know, maybe Landon Jackson, you, we, we've lost that type of player. But, uh, you know, the, the offense, they didn't have the – the necessarily the uh, production at the collegiate level after showing they could do that last year. Maybe that could be a scary trend on, on both sides of the ball, but, but since, you know, we, we touched it, but I'm just curious. We think we know uh, how we're going to fill some of the other spots, but um, if we can go through each of those and maybe start with, with like we did here with Nussmeyer, is Texas still going to, you know, take a run at another quarterback? Do they feel comfortable with what they have there? Um, and then, you know, I think we know receiver and, and, and defensive line, we will obviously have continued prospects there, but where, where do those positions shake out? I think, and I'm going to stress the word think, because as soon as I say this, we're going to disconnect and they'll have offered another quarterback, but <laughs> I think they're done at quarterback. I think at this point, they looked at two guys they liked that Mike Yersich liked in Sawyer Robertson, who, who committed to Mississippi State, and, and Nussmeyer, who just committed to LSU. Wanted to pursue those guys, see if there was anything there worth taking a second quarterback. I think at this point, they will stick with – they really like Jalen Milrow. And yeah. um, they don't want to – they don't want to give off the perception that they're just shopping for his replacement and, and will take anybody. I think that they, they recruited two guys they liked. They didn't get them. So I think at this point they will kind of stick with where they are. I think the other thing in, in play for the quarterback recruiting was they were fairly certain. There was some, uh, I won't say fairly certain. There was some certainty or at least some thought that Casey Thompson would maybe look into transfer this off season mm -hmm. um, or after spring ball kind of after after he saw where everything was and they wanted to guard against that by taking two in the class i don't think that they fear that anymore obviously with no spring ball and everybody's futures very much up in the air so that kind of changes the dynamics of things 
so that that was the because like you said, I think Yurcich came and offered those two guys. So uh, Early's been on the uh, on the board for Jump Street. You haven't been uh, shy about the fact that he was kind of a must get for Texas. So what is what does the wide receiver recruiting now look like for for Texas as they uh, try to figure things out? Was some one person, and I, I haven't verified this with other people, but one person within the Texas offices told me that they had JoJo Earl higher on the board than they had um, Tommy Brockermeyer. Like that's wow. how how much they really liked that kid and thought he was going to be the silver bullet for their offense. So obviously a huge loss. They've got to kind of pivot now, um, and and I I think they'll pivot while at the same time continuing to work on JoJo and. Uh, you know, just keep chipping away, and uh, you, you know you've really got to recruit him through the through the finish line, and um, you know you've always got a chance. So, uh, some of the other guys they're looking at, Teddy Knox, the uh, wide receiver from the Woodlands, is uh, a recent move in. He moved in last year from Baton Rouge. He's the fastest kid in the state of Texas, uh, football wise. He's a 10 uh, 100 kid, um, absolutely fly. He, he had an l- injury late last season that kind of prohibited him, but. Um, He's a guy that Texas will, will go head-to-head with uh, Mississippi State for. Right now, I kind of like where Mississippi State stands in that recruitment just because they, they've got some links to him personal relationship-wise. Uh, they go back to his days in Louisiana. And also, they got Mike Leach in the air raid. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think maybe in the previous offense, they would the you know the kid wouldn't have looked that way. But if you look at the air raid, you think you're going to get the, the chance to get the ball. But I think that's close to a 50-50 race. Uh, the other two kids that I, I'm really looking at at wide receiver right now are Keytron Jackson, the wide receiver from Royce City. He's a bigger outside guy, about 6'2", 6'3", 190, thick built in the waist. He's a guy that's going to be, you know, kind of your jump ball type, your, your Colin Johnson type on the outside. And then Hal Presley from Mansfield Summit, he's about 6'1", um, and can really go deep, can can go get it uh, and kind of do everything on the, on the Z side. So those are the guys that are really focusing on right now. I think if, if you had to if you had to peg like three of their top candidates at their receiver position. Well, and and I mean, I think we, we can talk a little bit in the, uh, in the news that we've gotten recently, but if we're just going like for like, right. And we look at Landon Jackson, I think uh, Texas landing, um, we can transition a little bit to who the good news of who we, we, we have got this week, the Jordan Thomas uh, commitment. He's the first defensive line uh, commit in that class. I mean, beyond him, uh, what, 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 uh, or I guess we, we can talk, talk about, about him first and then maybe talk about what else is out there from the defensive line. Cause I think that's an important, important feature, feature in, this in this class. Yeah. Jordan Thomas, um, uh, really a kid that I, I, so here's kind of, I'm going to give you a glimpse into the way we recruiting reporters think, um, we're a lot of times we're very egocentric, um, and we're very self-centered. And so when Jordan Thomas got offered, I reached out to him on Twitter. He would not reply to me. Couldn't have been anything else other than this kid's an asshole, right? That was like the only thought. In my mind. Like, <laughs> he's going to be difficult to deal with. He's going to be like the worst kid in the world. And and I can't stand kids like this. Uh, just because he didn't message me back. I mean, how full of yourself do you have to be for that? So last year, last last spring, I'm down in Port Neches. I'm uh, checking in on, on Jalen Garth, talking to his coach. And I go, hey, coach, how, how far is Port Arthur from here? And he says, Oh, it's about 15 minutes. And I said, okay, I'm just going to jaunt across to Port Arthur, see if I can bust in on their practice and meet this Jordan Thomas kid. I go in, I, I run into his coach on the field. He goes, he points down the other end. He says, he's down there. You'll know him when you see him. And he was, he was right. Um, he, you know, he just, they were hitting the, the sled and it just sounded different when he was hitting it. I was like, something's weird going on. So I got through the practice. 
I grab the kid afterwards. He gives me the most incredible interview I've ever had in my life. And afterwards, I'm like, dude, why did you not reply to me when I when I've been reaching out to you for months? And he's like, well, what Twitter is it? And I showed it to him. And he goes, no, I don't use that Twitter anymore. Here's my other one. Like, hit me up on this one. So, <laughs> you know, that just uh, he was. I left there. I'm like, this kid's one of my favorite kids in the world. Um, when I left there, uh, really, really raw kid, strong, explosive, but but raw. Uh, from a technical standpoint, which most golden triangle kids are. I mean, they just, just kind of how it is. And uh, But those are the kids you want because you can build on them. You can teach them the technique that you want them to learn. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how his body develops. I always I, I call him Taekwon Graham with a little bit more pass rushing juice. Um, that's hmm. kind of what he reminds me of. Really long kid, even though he's 6'3", 240. Uh, I believe he's got 82 inch arms, which is, you know, that's, that's almost a six foot eight wingspan. Um, and, and that's really what you're looking for is length at the defensive line position. I'm, I want to see how he develops because I think he could stay outside defensive end, but I also think he's tech, he's a guy that could, you know, conceivably get to 275 and you push him inside and then he's, he's a pretty good defensive tackle as well. And that's kind of what I think Chris Ash is looking for in his defensive tackles is to find, bigger defensive ends and grow them into defensive tackles. I don't think he wants 330-pound guys at all. He wants guys that can run and, and cover in space. And so that's where I see Thomas fitting in. Um, locker room-wise, he's going to be a, a cultural guy that that's going to buy in and do everything you want. He is just a quiet kid, goes to work, very humble, very hardworking, a uh, Muslim kid. Um, and so, uh, you know, I his grandpa told him he thinks he, you know, he would be much more at home in, in Austin than College Station being a Muslim kid. And I, I don't disagree <laughs> sure. with that takeaway. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that the Texas fans are really going to like this kid. I'm just going to plead the fifth on that. So uh, <laughs> uh, keeping in that, that 21 class, we talked a little bit about uh, him last week when he committed. But Landon King, three-star tight end out of uh, – Atascocita. Did I get that right this time? Atascocita. Come on, Atascocita. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Atascocita. Gerald, that's your Oklahoma show. I've been north of the Red River far too long. Uh, Atascocita. Uh, What part of Oklahoma are you in? Oklahoma City, right right in the middle. My my wife's got family in northeast Oklahoma, so we we go through that Uh, quite a bit. Random aside, I uh, graduated from college with a journalism degree in 2008 when uh, TV stations were laying people off. And so I got one offer, and that was in Oklahoma City. And I uh, moved in four days because I was not going to miss out on that opportunity. And I've been here ever since. So, Atascacita, tight end Landon King, missed missed some time with an injury, uh, I believe, last year. But he's going to... Uh, he's six five two ten, kind of a guy who um, can can stretch a little bit, kind of fits multiple roles for for Texas. How do you see him fitting into the offense uh, as it as it morphs and changes? Gerald, if it makes you feel any better, the first time I saw the word Atascosita, I called it Atascosia. So mm. I, I don't, you know, as somebody had to tell me how to say it too. So don't worry about it. Um, There's three ways to pronounce Guadalupe. Yeah, so we'll just, we'll exactly, just be there. exactly. <laughs> uh, Landon King is a guy that. Right, you're right. He kind of fits that big, like flex tight end mold that that more people are going to these days. Um, you know, he is a guy that can block. He's a, I always call him, uh, he's a willing blocker, um, and that's really what you need. You can teach, you know, the the technical ability of blocking. You need somebody who's willing to do it. Uh, but he's much more of a pass catching guy. And you had a really productive year. I think almost 800 yards, 850 yards last year, and then nine touchdowns. Um, you know, for a tight end or an inside receiver, that's that's a pretty strong high school season. Um, you know, you're almost talking about a you're talking about what an 85, 
85 yard and one touchdown average per game. So uh, I like the production out of him. Obviously, he's going to have to put on weight, um, but you you like the skill set. What what really stands out to, to me about Landon King is body control and hands. He has insane uh, body control and insane hands. He catches everything. Um, so that you love, obviously. If you want a guy who's catching the ball, you want him to catch it. Um, and the, the biggest things are how is he going to develop? Is he going to lose any of that athleticism when he does develop? Can you teach him to put his hand down and do some of the things you want your tight end to do? But I think he brings an element to this offense they don't currently have. Especially with the the I mean, we're we are firm believers in the curse of Jermichael Finley as Texas hasn't had more than one one year of production from a tight end since Jermichael Finley. Uh so a, a sure handed tight end uh for multiple years would, would likely be uh would be welcome. And and he seems like a guy that if if a twenty twenty high school football season happens he's a guy that probably won't stick as a three-star like watching his tape and kind of watching like Alabama Auburn and m were really high on him so he seems like a guy that would probably see a, a ratings jump if a season happens yeah I, I was told down the stretch Alabama and Georgia were really trying to get him to put that commitment off because they wanted some more time with him um, so obviously if you subscribe to those kind of things that's a, that's a good sign um, for your evaluation Texas evaluated him early offered him early and recruited him very hard and, and won him over so uh, kudos to them for that. I actually call it the curse of Blaine Irby um, because Blaine Irby was – I actually, on my podcast a couple weeks ago, I had Brandon Huffman, who's our West Coast. Uh, he's a national recruiting editor but lives in the West Coast. And covered He's from Ventura, so he covered Blaine Irby extensively, and we talked about that night that he went down on the turf at Rice yeah. and how there's never been a good tight end uh, since that point in time. <laughs> uh, and Blaine, Blaine was headed that way. You know, He was headed for a great development, but uh, – yeah, the, the curse is strong. And and, and as the inventor of the, the curse of Jermichael Finley, I use Blaine Irby as a very, like, even when it's been broken, it cannot last uh, because – but we, we have officially decried on this podcast that that, that curse is, is over, whether it's Librock or whoever. So th- this is going to be – I think Wiley's got a good chance. I like what he's doing. This is going to be broken. We're going to be the David Thomases of yesteryear. We're not going to talk about that curse anymore because we're we're a tight end heavy offense. I'm I'm – I'm gonna go ahead and say we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have 800 yards between our tight ends at least next year. It's gonna be it's gonna be money position. But uh, speaking of next year, we've talked a lot because you know we've kind of transitioned looking ahead into the 2021 uh, 21 class. But we did have uh, a 2020 um, commit as well, and uh, I think we are uh, making sure we pronounce this correctly. Jade Baron, is that is that correct? Yeah, that's as close to I know how to pronounce it. Like I was telling you guys before the show, I'm going to have him on the podcast tomorrow. Well, it's actually our podcast that comes out at the end of the week, but we're going to take the, the interview tomorrow. And um, I, I'll, I'll get the, the proper pronunciation then so you guys can right. listen here. But um, I think it's Jade Barron, uh, the, the cornerback from Pflugerville Connolly, right, signed right. with Baylor. A very interesting um, – Texas really loved him when the new staff came – took over uh chris ash really liked him you know jason washington talked for a long time about offering this kid and just never did um and it was kind of widely known like texas can offer this kid on signing day and get him um that's how much he wants to be at texas he's really good friends with with 2020 signee dejon harrison um mm. and those two had talked about playing together at texas so when Chris Ash came in, I just don't think he, you know, we thought Barron might put off his signing from the early signing day. And I think if he'd have gone till February, Texas would have offered him instead of Ennis Rakestraw. And then they would have probably gotten him in that period. Um, 
he didn't. He initially put off his signing one day, and then the next day signed, um, kind of killing my dream there. But <laughs> I thought I heard from literally from that moment, this kid's looking to get out of his signature. And this is something we've been monitoring uh, literally since January or so. Um, just kind of checking in every now and then. Hey, what's going on with Jade? What's going on with Jade? Um, and he didn't, you know, he just never felt like he had that good relationship with the new Baylor staff. Really liked the old staff. Uh, did, didn't feel like he ever got it with the new staff. So, um, you know, when things really started heating up in the last month, we were constantly checking on it. And that's the reason we had so many updates over on 24-7 was because we were really tuned into that situation and we knew it was coming. Um, and I said that day that, you know, when he announced his, his signature was going to be released, that, you know, once he received his official release from the school, we thought this thing was going to move very quickly. And it certainly did. Texas got, uh, you know, Texas was in there from the beginning. And, you know, as soon as, as they could talk to him, it was a done deal. Um, I think that, you know, for me, when when watching guys in the state last year, Barron really rose at, in, as a senior. Um, and by the end of the year, I was telling people, I think this kid might be the best corner in the state of Texas. Um, and and that's not just me saying that because he picked Texas. Like I, you can go back and listen to uh, uh, Central ESPN Central Texas on signing day. They asked me about the Baylor class, and I told them I thought John A. Barron was the best corner in the state of Texas. So you combine him with who I thought was the second best corner in the state of Texas, Keaton Crawford, and you've got you know you you lock down the two top guys in the state um, at the cornerback position, and uh, which is really strong for Texas. The the big complaint I had about that class was not having a second corner and it um, was a big one in the big 12 you just can't go years where you're only signing one corner it's just it's just not a feasible um, plan so I, I really like this kid honestly he's a really good returner too like he's going to be able to um, do punt, punt and kick return and, and be an asset there as well that's fantastic because uh, as, as we know we were the uh, the last team left in the negatives this season in punt returns. Like we have a couple guys in the class who've uh, have some of that skill set, but I, I'm I'm more happy to have about ten guys competing for one spot than than zero guys. Um, so that's that's always good, and it probably means you're a pretty good athlete too if you're uh, good with that skill set. But the only thing there is just you know I, Dave Aranda's first time as a head coach. Good on him for coming through and doing the right thing. I think we we kind of praised Herman when he did the same. I think with John Bonnie and when it's going to a conference. Um, opponent that was different is on campus, but still, the anytime you grant the full release, um, is you know, you're, you're doing the right thing as a coach and not holding a kid's future hostage. So, um, good on him that that will certainly engender some goodwill, uh, to the to the rest of the Big 12 when when you're a new head coach and you you, you play it right. You know, what's funny is, um, obviously, there's a certain rivalry between fans, and especially after the Bryles thing, like I, Baylor and Texas fans do not get along. Um, it's it's going to be funny because the head coaches are just about best friends. Um, so like, if you ever hear Herman talk in public, he will talk about Dave Aranda like he is a brother, and he is. Right. I mean, they went to college together, known each other forever. So um, I think a little bit of the I'm interested to see what the rivalry looks like, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be as heated as as people want it to be. Considering um, you know, if you look on Twitter between like Baylor and fans and anybody. Um, it gets pretty heated out there. <laughs> we will do our part to continue the Baylor-Texas rivalry as um, 
I mean, Waco, the Waco <laughs> miniseries came out at a perfect time for me because I've got nothing but time and I can just write <laughs> jokes and jokes and jokes about it. Uh, Taylor Kitsch will be he- featured heavily in the pre <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, man, the, that's, I think like that wraps up the recruiting news for us. So let's, let's just jump into I think everybody. Well, wait, wait, wait. Don't, do we want to talk Tariq Black? We can. Can't talk to that's te- that's technically on our site. I handle grad transfers, so oh, that's yeah. technically recruiting. I can I can discuss that if you guys want. Please do. Yeah, we we were we were not going to burden you with that, but if you've got it, you've got it. Yeah. So Tariq Black is a guy that Texas has been working on for a long time. Guy I mentioned probably months ago is, uh, hey, watch out for this grad transfer. And the only one I felt really good about them landing so far, and it, it was pretty much always going to be Texas for Tariq Black, but they wanted to work out some things. And one of the big things was the original graduate transfer rule said that you had to uh, enroll in a program at another graduate school that's not featured at your. Uh, institution. And that always hangs guys up when they're looking to, to graduate transfer. They changed the rule this year, and it actually says now you can even take more undergraduate classes. You don't even have to take graduate classes. And once the rule change went into effect, that kind of opened the gates and, and Tariq was was in. Um, he was a highly recruited guy out of high school, Didn't ha- has not had an incredibly productive career in college. So I went and asked a bunch of Michigan people, including like a couple of friends of mine who are just really big Michigan fans, what they know about him. And, you know, the answer seems to be that, A, obviously Michigan had trouble throwing and moving the ball um, over the last couple of years, and and, um, a lot of their guys suffered. But, B, really it was, you know, this kid's really talented, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if he's healthy, you know, he's an asset. He has two years to play one at Texas, which means he's got a redshirt available and one year of playtime on the field. He can appeal for a, a medical redshirt, which would get him two years to play on the field, two years to play two. Um, but it, he'll have to do that this year to, to file the, the appeal and then wait for the answer. But I think potentially he's a guy that in a room that's talented yet very inexperienced, he's a guy that can kind of bridge that gap and, and maybe be like a Trey Watson type on this team. Yeah. Well, we were, we were big Trey Watson stands, so you, you invoking the name Trey Watson – uh, gives us all sorts of butterflies. Oh, I love Trey Watson. I thought he was a, a fantastic addition to the team. So I think Black can be that. A really, from everything I've heard, a really mature kid, hard worker. Teammates love him. Um, I think they all went to his birthday party. Uh, so you know, <laughs> uh, I think everything everything checks out. Well, and I, I also think, like you said, the, the talent there is a lot of young guys. And so instead of asking Troy O'Meara or Brennan Eagles to, to take the Colin Johnson leap up, you're at least bringing a guy 6'3", you know, good good size uh, on the outside who can come in um, and you don't have losing two, you know, I mean, two high or medium to high draft pick wide receivers um, in a super loaded class this season, having to replace both of those seniors, you at least bring in that experience. So I'm uh, I'm I'm. Uh, quite optimistic that, that this will be good, not just for him, not just for Sam, um, but also for the development of the guys, you know, Marcus Washington, Brennan Eagles, who aren't necessarily forced. All right, now you just have to go out and account for this. Or Josh Moore, hey, day one, you need to be back doing this. But maybe it gives a little time for them to uh, to be the, you know, the third guy uh, or fourth guy out there and really get some good matchups and good looks. I think it, uh, all, it is one of those uh, rising tide lifts all uh, boats, I believe, right? Yeah, and I, I don't think it ever hurts to have a big brother type in the room either. Um, and, and if that's what he can be, kind of mentor those guys along, that is what Trey Watson was for, like, Keontae Ingram. He was the big brother that could, you know, he could show him the way. So uh, I really, yeah, I really like where, you know, this addition for Texas. With a room that needs snaps, I think he's a guy that has limited snaps, but at least he has some, uh, some under his belt. So 
now we'll move to the thing that I think people are all coming to to Mike Roach on uh, the Longhorn Republic podcast for. What what do you, what have you been occupying your time with, Michael? As uh, as the social isolation quarantining days come to a close, how'd you spend your last couple of weeks? I've been doing a lot of work. <laughs> like I feel like I'm I'm riding <laughs> all the time. I told my wife the other day I do more work in a day than I ever have. Like I feel more productive than I ever have, and yet I feel constantly behind. Um, like today for the, was one of the first times that I finished everything for tomorrow by like two o'clock today, which means tonight will be a chill night. You know, we're going to crush some 90 day fiance. That is a, uh, <laughs> that is a, a guilty pleasure show of my wife and I, um, we've got to catch up on the Jordan documentary. Um, we're, we're still, we didn't watch last week and we haven't watched this week. So we're, we've only seen the first two episodes so far. Um, I've been rewatching the West Wing. It's one of my favorite television shows. So um, I'm going through that for like the fifth time. Uh, we did do Tiger King. Um, <laughs> we did do Tiger King. That was, I, you know, so last time we were on, we talked about Tiger King and you guys mentioned like, and I said, don't spoil it for me. So we didn't go any further, but you guys mentioned there were some longhorn ties in there. And I was like, what could those possibly be? And then <laughs> we start the movie and I'm like, is that Marquise Goodwin with the- <laughs> Like, my wife's going, what are you, what? And I'm like, that's Marquise Goodwin. She's like, who's that? I'm like, he went to Rowlett. Uh, He played in Texas. (laughs) And I'm like, why is this guy wearing a Texas hat all the time? So uh, I understood what you meant there. Doing that, um, I got my old PlayStation out. I've been playing NCAA 14. Uh, I'm currently the head coach at SMU after uh, spending a couple years as an offense coordinator. So that's going that way. Yeah, it's pretty much that. We spent a lot of time sitting out back on our patio, watching the sunset around our fire pit, and, and having a few drinks at night. Nice. And if you're playing NCAA, you might want to get there's a there's a hot recruit on there called Speedy Flowers. It's uh, got the uh, <laughs> the recruiting world all of us. <laughs> Dude, the day that came out, literally, um, and I'm not going to air him out on this program, but another Texas reporter retweeted one of those accounts. Like on an offer, and I looked, and he sent it to me, and I looked at it, and I was like, "No, that that doesn't seem right." And uh, I texted someone at Texas, and was like, "Is this is this something? Is this anything?" And they were like, "They're like, we've never heard of this person." And I was like, "Okay, okay." Um, and then I kind of started looking into it, and I'm like, "Oh!" And, and literally, um, at that point in time, our 24 seven Slack like activated, and it was like. <laughs> Hey, there's uh, all these fake video game accounts tweeting out offers. Just everybody beware. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> kind of put two and two together, and um, luckily was able to kind of sidestep all of those things. My favorite thing in Slack is what it says: multiple people are typing. Like I feel like that was <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. multiple people are typing. Yeah. Or you get the little, the little, you know, the I can't do the sound effect, but the little sound effect it makes on my computer. It was just constantly like boom, 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 boom coming in. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, that was a crazy day for sure. So, Mike, man, thank you so much for uh, for coming on today. If people want some more of what you have to offer, man, where can they uh, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can get me uh, Mike uh, Mike Roach two four seven on Twitter. Uh, that's where I do most of my my business. Um, I'll tweet a lot, especially if there's something I find interesting. Uh, during the NFL draft, I just like to sit and brag about how great Texas high school football was and how much everybody else sucked. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was, that was fun for me. Uh, this was like the first, this was actually the first year that, um, 
I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent again. I feel like I ramble on this show. Um, this, Love it. This was actually the first year for me that, like, I, I've covered a good group of these kids who went into the draft, like, through their whole high school. Like, I remember Jeff Okuda as a sophomore in high school. And the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, that guy's going to be in the NFL one day. And uh, sure enough, he, it didn't take very long for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, I did a lot of that. Um, Microach247 on Twitter. You can find me uh, on Horns247.com. Uh, please subscribe over there. You can read my written work, um, my podcast. I do uh, the state of recruiting each week. It's twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. You can find that on any podcast platform. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I will say this is how famous you guys' podcasts are. Um, I'm going to get shout out. Maybe he's listening to, to my man, Jerry, um, a, a, the husband of, of a woman who works with my wife. Last time I was on the show, um, we talked about the bidet and literally like as soon as y'all's podcast came out, my wife got a text from the lady at her work and was like, you guys got a bidet? Jerry heard it on a podcast. So, uh, so you guys do. I mean, you're, you're, you're making waves. We, we literally are making waves because we are, we are big in the underground uh, or online, I should say, bidet community. So you, uh, you always, uh, you always will be flush. I'll say it that way with, uh, with bidet followers. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's great. That's one of my favorite anecdotes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I hope you guys have gotten yours. I, I've seen an increase in uh, bidet ads on Instagram. Um, there's something called Clear Rear that keeps popping up on my Instagram. Uh, they've marked me. I'm already I'm already in the market. You know, I'm I'm a buyer. So um, yeah, it's been a it's been a life changer. I think there's a lot of good to come out of this quarantine. I think that's going to be one of them. I just I need to look into childproofing a bidet because my biggest fear is my three year old be like oh I'm thirsty and and, and they got, like that's my biggest fear in life yeah that's so a, that's gonna be a problem out. like we don't have kids so it's not a problem for us but that's that I could see how that could be a problem and on that and on that note Mike thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us tonight man anytime fellas like I said you call me anytime I'm I'm down to come on today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So I've got to change the intro to down the 40 because we usually use it as a place to give some shine to the programs that don't normally get as much as they should. But in the non-football season, it also just turns out to be like, here's where we talk about the news that wasn't the main part of the show. And so coaching contracts, Kyle, for the football coaches, all of these new assistants got their money. So Mike Yersich, offensive coordinator, uh, one point seven million dollars, which is uh, not a bad, uh, not a bad deal for a couple of years on three years. Yeah, that's uh, not bad at all. No, 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 no. That's that's not uh, terrible. I mean, I, I would. That's let me carry the one. That's slightly more than we make for the podcast, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a nice little chunk of change. Now he's got to go earn it. Um, 
you know, how does it make you feel? We've talked about it a little bit. Chris Ash, Mike Yersich, Ash makes about a million less than him uh, for two years with 800000 a year. Again, you will not hear me spilling tears for $800,000 uh, per year. Um, Daryl Royal probably made about sixty-eight, and he got to wear uh, wear his coaching shorts home. You know, that's uh, it just just different times there. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, our coordinators are paid well. The the offensive and defensive coordinators kind of did uh, a flip flop because last year it was uh, it was our man on defense getting more money, which again pay for uh, what the market dictates. Jay Bulware not far behind Chris Ash with a. Cool, 700K. Herb Hand, I believe, got a raise up to where Jay Bulware is at with $700,000. Stan Drayton, I feel like people are going to disagree with, might be underpaid. He almost bolted for the Cowboys. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 650K a year, Coleman Hutzler. Linebackers coach, 600K. Mark Hagan, who we are affectionately calling, not Franco Cam, uh, <laughs> making five. $550,000 a year. Yancey McKnight strength coach got a bump. 510 Oscar Giles, another one that I feel like is woefully underpaid at 400k. Andre Coleman, 350 and Jay Valai, new cornerbacks coach, the young guy on the roster still doing okay for himself, 300k. Yeah, you know, I I I I wish that my I don't know what is this his third his third job, basically his third her coaching stop for coach Valai. Um, I, uh, I wish that my third year or third job out of college was a, was a paltry 300 K I'd be all right with that. But no, I, I actually, I was looking through the, the, uh, the Yancey bump. I get it. The, the Hagen one, um, I was looking through and it actually took me a good solid minute out of all the coaches on the list because he was the latest. And then we just, it's gone and haven't heard a ton of news on him. I had to scratch my head and I was like, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Mark Hagen. Right. Cause I, I was like, I, uh, uh, what does he do? Defensive tackles? Not, not Franco cam. <laughs> Oh man, we 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 are sure that Mark Hagan's going to be great. Oh yeah, we're also sure that we were lobbying real real hard for Frank Ocam. Uh, so we got some uh, softball news happening. Kyle, take us take us to the bump. Let's see what what's going on. Ah uh, yeah, so I called this section Tuesday Gone with the Wind. All my Skinnerd heads out there know what I'm talking about. But Tuesday Demargosian, which is one of my favorite names. On all of the 40 acres last year, you may remember her. She had a diving catch in the Miranda Elish perfect game. That was the last game we saw from the softball team. Remember that. Um, the, uh, the the news came out that she uh, is actually transferring, uh, put her name in the transfer uh, portal. Um, she's one of the six seniors that um, had the option to come back. She's taking that uh, to do one additional year um, at University of North Texas. This didn't come as a surprise. Texas softball for those uh, seniors who weren't going to be coming back um, did a virtual senior day last week, and, and Margosian, uh, Caitlin Slack, and Reagan Hathaway um, all participated uh, in that with the rest of their teammates, which I think is a cool thing Coach White did. Um, but so she is uh, completed as a senior her UT obligation and will be uh, playing one year for the Mean Green. It was a weird situation when this kind of went down because um, Elish was the first one to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to take this extra year. And so we thought that there would be more players that decided to, to go that route. And then these three uh, taking their talents to the next level or taking their talents wherever they're going to go. Mm. Um, you're never going to hear us fault an athlete for doing whatever the heck they want because it's your life. And, you again, you do you. You got your free education. You feel like you're good? Dope. Get out of here. Do what you want to. You want to – Take another year, play somewhere else, try to get a free Masters. That would be my advice 
to somebody else is, hey, go try to get a free master's degree while also pursuing the sport of your choice. Uh, but again, do whatever works best for you. So we got um, some big-ish news, some big news. Um, the NCAA is starting to um, come into the 20th century, not 21st century, 20th century, kicking and screaming, making name, image, and likeness rights that uh, kind of changing up that athletes could benefit. Uh, now, they cannot use the school logo, branding, whatever to uh, to go with it, but this opens up some things, especially given uh, this week's guest. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think this is uh, this is an interesting step, but it is going to be interesting to see how um, this plays out. We have some thoughts. We have some theories. Um, it's going to be interesting in the recruiting world. I think UT, I don't know if they saw the writing on the wall, but position themselves really well with, with what Matt Lang uh, has been doing with that creative department for UT, just making already the branding kind of um, for each player. I mean, it feels like they they were ready for this uh, news to come. Every every recruit currently has their own logo. I mean, it's 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 a a monumental step. We shouldn't overlook um, that that this case happens. I'll be curious, like I said, once all the specifics and finite and how this is used and played out, and once. Five years from now, they tweak it because, you know, Nick Saban somehow finds some loophole uh, the way he's known to do and, uh, you know, tweak it there. But, no, it, it's big news for, for college sports. It's a a uh, a pretty big deal. I mean, Jaquin and Jackson and Xavier Alford, I think, won the logo Olympics in uh, for what Texas designed. So put me down. Again, maybe we'll reach out to uh, to Mike over at Last Stand's Hat, Last Stand Hats, to uh, get a Xavier Alford uh, patch going. I'll be the first one to buy it. I will. I'll rock a Xavier Alford. Uh, I was a big fan of the KC for uh, Keaton Crawford. So uh, yep. you know, as a guy who who um, as a kid thought he was a Royals fan because they had my initials on a hat, I'm all the way for that. I love it. No, you know what? Give me give me a a burnt orange hat with just a white landlord. Across the front, <laughs> I'd rock it. 100-yard landlord, best nickname in sports. So uh, four Longhorn tennis players earned All-American honors, two on the men's side, two on the women's side, names that you are probably completely familiar with. Yui Ito, uh, ranked number two overall in the ITA singles. Uh, third time he earned All-American honors. Christian Sisgard uh, was the other one, number six in the nation, his second All-American. And then again, the Taratis. You, you can only Tarati it up with both of them. You can only It's double Tarati party. Uh, Anna and Bianca, the sisters, finished uh, number four and number 14 overall. Aunt Anna got her second All-American, while Bianca got her first. Do you, do you know that Britney Spears song? And this is definitely our wheelhouse for this podcast. Um, but it says, you want a hot body? You want a Maserati? You want a son? I don't know. It plays at the gym often um, and, and then says you better work. You know, um, I, I just think that, that there needs to be an addendum to that Britney Spears song. And again, please, our, our enterprising fans, if you want to make that, if you want a Turrati, um, if you want to add that into the Britney song, tweet that as that replies of Texas. First, they've got to figure out what Britney song Kyle is talking about. And then you've got to manage to edit it in. Uh, we talked some uh, women's basketball recruiting recently and so Texas got a couple of massive commitments from two of the top players in the country uh, which when that happens you generally see some other players exit three star point guard Paige Bradley 
out of Bishop Lynch in Dallas reopened her commitment. She was uh, one of the big n names on uh, Karen Aston's board. Vic Schaefer uh, basically has two massive recruits coming in and a bunch of transfers. And so it just seems kind of like uh, a numbers game and, and Paige is going to find a, uh, another home and we wish the best for her. Yeah, and in, in the other two, uh, there was three in that recruiting class on the board when he came in. The other two, uh, Leah Moore's forward and guard Rory Hammond, who we uh, we, we talked about, Harmon, excuse me, we talked about, um, are uh, on board and good to go um, following the hiring. So this should be, as of right now, obviously things can change, um, the, the last of the recruiting news for that team for next season. Absolutely. And so one uh, one thing that's not necessarily a normal thing we want to talk about, uh, we want to take a moment and talk about Caden Stearns uh, and the fundraiser he and several other players uh, have going on. Kyle and I are both from the San Antonio area, and the San Antonio Food Bank uh, has been hit really hard as of late with people that are needing assistance. And so Caden Stearns uh, banded together with a couple of other Longhorns, former and current, uh, that are from the San Antonio area, a couple of guys that uh, went to other schools as well, a couple of guys that are currently in the NFL, uh, to kind of tap into uh, what fame is for, right? F fame is usually or should be to, to help uh, use your platform to help other people. And so he uh, has several uh, several other guys looking to raise money for the San Antonio Food Bank. And so we, we've tweeted out the link a couple of times, uh, but we want to just encourage you, if you've got the means, we know everybody um, is money's tight for a lot of people right now. Uh, everybody really money is tight. But uh, if you've got the means, five, five bucks, whatever it may be, uh, uh, kick in to help some other people. We would love to uh, have an opportunity for you guys to be a part of that. Yeah, and, and, and this is uh, bigger than football. We're not going to say, you know, Tommy Bush from Samuel Clemens High School who's a part of this who didn't come to UT or uh, the two Judson guys, Rashad Wisdom and uh, NFL uh, Seahawks, I believe, Trey Flowers, um, that, that you shouldn't uh, support because uh, those guys aren't aren't uh, aren't Longhorns or went to the wrong high school. Derek Kersetter, who's a Longhorn from Reagan, was a part of this. Um, and obviously Malcolm Brown, um, one of our favorites uh, from same uh, high school as, as Caden Stearns in the Shirt Civil Universal City Independent School District. But what, what it's doing is bringing together people who are rivals and, and friendly rivals, but uh, who all look and see the same cause. And, uh, you know, I think they call it the Faith Family Food Team um, that they're working together to do this. And I think it's just amazing. It's really, really cool every time I see a Longhorn uh, or anyone uh, of these young athletes step up and try to make a difference in their community. And hopefully it's a thing that, you know, they take with them when they go to the next level and, and have all kinds of uh, disposable income uh, that comes with that. And they can, uh, they can give back to the community that, that, that brought them up. So very, very cool. Proud of uh, Caden Stearns, Malcolm Brown and the, and the rest of those guys. Absolutely. Now that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, big Bertha. And we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, I'm going back to the uh, to the well. We've looked at uh, some of these ratings before. We find them interesting. We talk about them. Um, I, I think they're, they're they're typically pretty good. But the uh, Pro Football um, College uh, put out their 
returning Big 12 cornerback ratings, um, where their scores uh, were and where they, they are going to project in the next season. Um, and, and a guy who, Gerald, you've talked a lot about, you really like, um, a guy who I think we both marvel at his athleticism, his ability to be a game-breaker, um, either you know with the ball in his hands um, when he gets an interception or, or a, a punt or kick return. Uh, but Deshaun Jameson was ranked third in the returning Big 12 cornerbacks um, behind Kalen Barnes at Baylor and, and Zach uh, McPherson from Texas Tech. Um, so I, I think the expectations are going to be big for, for Deshaun Jameson because, as we've talked about, um, there were some big-time recruits on that depth chart in, in the cornerback position. Um, he kind of went over there, was a receiver before and new to the position and really played pretty darn well um, last year, but there were some freshmen who, who showed really good glimpses. So uh, if he's going to lock that down this season, um, he's going to be uh, expected to be a big part cornerstone uh, of that of that defense this year, um, and I really really think it's a, it's a big credit to him coming in new position, learning it, locking it down, um, and I'm just waiting for him to get one of those ints where he has some green in front of him and get a uh, a beautiful pick six uh, for our dude, uh, Mister Jamison. So uh, big honor for him, and uh, certainly certainly deserved. Absolutely, and he's a guy that that I think has the potential to be like a lockdown corner for Texas for the next uh, couple of years, and so I'm definitely excited to see him on the come up. And speaking of uh, on the come up or lack thereof, so following the NFL draft, two four seven sports again. Call back to our friend Mike Roach put out a an article looking at uh, player development from the years of 2011 through 2015, and. Um, Looking at the number of top 247 athletes to, uh, to come to a school versus the, uh, the percentage of them that were drafted into the NFL and, and kind of came up with a rating from there. And so Texas had in that span again, 2011 to uh, 2015. So basically the last three years of Mac Brown and the first two years of Charlie Strong, which Charlie could recruit. We knew that. Charlie could recruit. So Texas had the ninth most, basically number nine in the standings for all of the top 247 players uh, in that span with 33, which massive number there. And just 15% of them were drafted, which if you uh, look at the math that they created their development rating, um, Texas ranked 30th. Ninth in the number of 247 top players, 30th in the number drafted. Now, we've we've talked about a lot, like, again, guys like Garrett Gilbert, five-star quarterbacks shouldn't flame out like that, right? Like, Jonathan Gray had a freak injury, right? Like, there, there are those things that happen. Um, but more of it just seems to be they couldn't hold on to the talent uh, there or they could not find a way to develop them. And that's something that Tom Herman has not been shy about. One of the reasons why he kind of made the staffing shakeup is because he didn't feel like they were developing the guys that they had on campus. And so um, this is a trend that I'm, one, tired of seeing. Texas, every year when draft time comes around, is a punchline and a punching bag. And I'm officially tired of seeing it. And I think this could be the year that all of that changes. Sam Cosby looking like he could be a first round pick pretty easily. Guys like Joe Osai, I think are going to flash in this new defense. I think a guy like Keandre Coburn, a guy like TQ Graham, these guys that could potentially leave early are guys that could be 
decently drafted players and have a good career. And so I think I, I am anticipating that 2016 through 2021 will hopefully look different. Yeah, in, in 2016 and 2021 will hopefully look different, but hopefully, you know, if we're going to put on our Optimus hat, 2021 to 2026 will look even more different once Texas has truly turned that corner and what the foundation of what we're laying with this new coaching staff uh, that's been overhauled, um, this kind of good group of, of kids we have in right now, um, and the, the really you know good recruiting classes that Herman's been putting together here lately, that all of that really just becomes a pipeline. And, and, and we're back where we belong with Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, right? And, and, and it is, it is um, you know, it, not only are we doubling up Aggies every year or in these, these groups for how many, you know, we're getting of the top players, which we um, didn't quite double, but more than one and a half. Um, but we're actually also, you know, doubling the output of, of high draft picks that we're putting in there, or even, you know, for the guys we're taking in, in the classes that are three stars, we're seeing them develop into the next level and, and showing that. So I, I think, like you said, the, the next one, which will show kind of the current phase where we, we got over the worst stretch in, in modern school history. Right. And remember that's a, classes that include teams that, uh, that that lost to Kansas um, you know getting over that uh, I think everything is already up it's been lifted a level from that terror um, but now it's that next step to elite right and that's that's where I think this uh, second five-year deep dive will hopefully uh, shine shine some gold and it, and it doesn't include guys like Puna Ford who weren't drafted but are lighting up the NFL right now. Like yeah. there, there are a lot of guys from Texas in that span that uh, didn't hear their name called, signed free agent deals, and ended up being pretty solid contributors. So I, I'm interested to see. I would, I would love to see that number, uh, what that looks like as well. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carlper. <clears throat> easy for me to say at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Gutter. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod. Shoot us an email Longhorn Republic pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them, hook them, support your local Mexican restaurants. Happy Cinco de Mayo.